and welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Hoops podcast. As always, I am merely Andy Barons. I'm joined by Dalton Del Don. Uh, he's here as always uh, from an unknown, unknown location in Central California. Dalton, our uh, our producers uh, wanted me to ask right off the bat if you in fact received the uh, blue and brown M and M's uh, in the in the hourglass as requested by your agents. Uh, you feeling, you feeling okay? I, I was ready today. No one was waiting on me. I was, I was, I, my ready time, to actually my alarm do a show today. Everything. Come on, this is not on me today. I swear to God, we could do a separate podcast on this, but Dalton is Dalton is like a staggering diva. It's like basically every week is like negotiating a podcast with like Tom Cruise's people. It's it's almost impossible. But here we are again. And then our producer was a full two minutes late, and I just really let him have it too in the behind the scenes. Oh, and now you're man. letting everyone know. I, I, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll try to behave better moving forward, but I'm just not used to such chaos. I'm, I'm used to a better run organization. You know, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to, <laughs> try to get used to this. I yeah, kid, I really- kid. Let's talk some hoops, Andy. What happened? You went to the went to the Bulls game last night, so you're riding high. So you come out coming in hot, giving me a hard time because yeah, your Bulls high. victory. All right, okay, yeah, that's fine. Want, All right, if you want to really. If you want to really take the measure of a public figure like Dalton, you have to you have to really watch how they treat people behind the scenes. And let me tell you, <laughs> folks, it's it's ugly. It's ugly with this one. Um, but yeah, the, how about the Bulls, a 20 point winner? How about the Warriors? Not a 20 point winner. Um, I believe the margin was 48, not in their favor. Uh, I don't know. Like, where do you want to start? We could we could also talk a little PG and uh, a Kawhi. That was pretty sensational. Overtime win. I stayed up for that. I don't know. What'd you see? I think the Warriors were down 44 to 16 in the first quarter. Steve Kerr said something like, a couple breaks went our way here or there. We would have only lost by 42. And he was dead. He did a nice deadpan. The reporters didn't get his sarcasm. So, yeah, ugly. But how they go to the Clippers, just Paul George in general going crazy, uh, returning. He's like, oh, he has two healthy shoulders now? Oh, okay. So this team, I mean, wow, they, they look good. And now, obviously, it's going to take some assimilation with – Kawhi and whatnot but yeah that that team is just looks that's gonna be ridiculous come playoff time because they're gonna rest unlike the Lakers who are gonna ride their stars man that Clippers team to me looks like the clear favorite yeah it's funny we might not see like I don't even I don't even know where to set the over under for the number of games in which we're actually gonna see Paul George and Kawhi together in the regular season like it but I mean that might that might not be too often that's not gonna be a frequent occurrence Pat Beverly was awesome last night uh 16 rebounds something like that like when when Beverly is playing with crazy energy and maybe some other people on the floor are not some some nutty things can happen um that that again we've talked about it before but that perimeter defense is just going to be sick that's just going to be an all-time defensive unit by the end of the year no for sure uh but without getting too too deep into the weeds here did you have fun at the game I know you're actually at the game but uh, Christian Wood fella looks like a player if I'd like to see him get some minutes in fantasy terms yeah, there were not um there was not much on the Detroit side that really looked interesting. Obviously, I was there um I was at, like principally for two reasons. I was there for the retirement ceremony for Luol Deng, who was my guy. Awesome. Uh and awesome. uh obviously to see D Rose, that was really cool. Uh it like it was fun. They uh not not only did they recognize Luol with like this little video, they put those together for uh players all the time, but they had him there in a suite. They had like a bunch of members of the 2009 Bulls, that was the team that took Boston to that, you know, epic seven-game series in, in mm-hmm. D. Rose's rookie season. It was just cool. Like, we had Ben Gordon in the building. We had Joe in the building. Um, it was it was oh, nice. It oh, was a, man. But I got a little misty because that was, oh. you, you know, it's easy to say that the title teams are your favorite teams, but 
I like I might have not been more emotionally invested in any team in my life as in the the 2009 through like 2012 Bulls. Oh, that makes total sense. Not necessarily just the title winners for sure. That's cool. Then you got to have experience that last night. Awesome. That's good. And they even got a win too. So fun night. Nice. Nice, Andy. Yeah, a rare win. And they are now something like, I don't know, a game and a half out of the seventh spot in the Eastern playoff race because the East is such trash. Oh my gosh. It's such trash. They were, they were going in. They were like two games out of the eighth seed. Yeah, I recorded a video yesterday. I don't think it's been released yet. Uh, downgrading Lowry Markinen, and he comes through with his best game in, in a month. So, of course, that'll age well. So, what his sore oblique just suddenly healed right when I started uh, saying, uh, you know, talking negatively of him. Uh, a little bit of it was that he just got he just got set up really well by uh, by teammates. I think Dunn had him once, and I think Sadaransky had him once on uh, on alley oops. Like they were just that the ball handlers were getting wherever they wanted to go against Detroit, which can make all the difference for someone, for someone obviously like Markinen. Um, you, you know, it's a, I, we've talked about him before as well. It's just a huge swing season for him. He's either, he's either just going to be the guy that he was last year, which was fine, but you know, he's, he, he is not to this point in his career been the sort of person who can make anybody else better, right? Like the assist numbers are crazy low for the, for the number of minutes he plays. And, uh, you, you know, if the shot isn't dropping, he, he's been largely useless, but, but, uh, but but last night was fun. He was he was super active. Had some finishes at the rim. Was denied in a like in a way that is probably going to show up on every highlight reel by Drummond um, with like a block of the night. <laughs> but so like it was just good to see him take it strong. Nice. All right, Andy, what do you got for us today? All right, there it is. That felt like our starting five, but we're actually getting into the starting five just now. And uh, I think what I want to start with is. Man, for like one of the things that I do just sort of every day, I wake up and like my first move online is to go to both like football and basketball leagues. And I just check on who the most added players are. It's just like, you know, do I want them on my own rosters? What are people going to be talking about? And for like a week, the most added player in Yahoo leagues in fantasy basketball was Carmelo. He was like right at the top of the list for days and days and days. And it still persists. Uh, Got the start in in his first game with the Blazers. I would say it was a little rough. Uh, there were some there there were some highlights that I mean, obviously, you know, a guy like that plays however many minutes it was. Was it twenty four minutes? There are going to be some some flashes of the old Carmelo. You know, we saw the the two quick dribbles and pull up from the elbow and that drops and he like it looks legit. It looks like you know maybe not two thousand eight Carmelo, but a really good version of Carmelo. Um, and then you, you look at the final box score numbers and oof, uh, five fouls, five turnovers. He's a minus 20 in 24 minutes and just sort of the eye test along the way, um, really slow footed defensively. I don't know. To me, it was whatever. It's his first game. He probably gets better from here. But what were your early impressions of Carmelo? I, I thought it was just an awful lot like the last version of Carmelo that we've seen. I mean, this is just amazing. It, four, 24 minutes, 14 shots, five turnovers, five fouls, the worst plus minus on the team times two. I mean, this is such a perfect mellow debut. Of course, it came without Damian Lillard, but none of those stats are my favorite. My favorite is he's nearly 50% owned, which you alluded to. Right, I mean, what right. are these fantasy owners thinking? 
I play in this League of Leagues convoluted three-sport league. Just, I got to say, someone spent $25 fab on him, and The Miz, the wrestler The Miz, is in this league, and he just berated this guy. <laughs> there hasn't been an email in this league in like six months, but suddenly, just out of nowhere, The Miz just couldn't handle Carmelo Anthony going for $25 fab, and he just berates this guy in this email saying, what, what, you know, what year is it? So I just thought that was funny, and I kind of with The Miz here, I got to say, that is a crazy, don't go rushing. I'm, I guess, in points leagues. That's fine. And Portland supposedly, according to Anthony, has promised him this starting job for the foreseeable future. So, I mean, I guess he's going to chuck it up there. But the guy, even it's funny, the guy who replaced Nasir Little had a double-double off the bench. He was I mean, awesome. He was great. Yeah. They, he was, Anthony was so bad defensively. Houston like had to like kind of hide why they released him. Like They were just shocked how the, his inability to switch. And in today's game, it is just so, so bad. He wasn't a top 120 category fantasy player when he fully played and that was two years ago and now off the street he's going to suddenly be viable no thanks for me I think it's crazy fantasy terms expect anything at all from him it's going to be a disaster it's not going to end well I get it Portland's five and ten or whatever in their season they might figure they what else they have to lose but no thanks for me man I, I, don't, well, I don't see this ending well like that's kind of the crazy thing to me they don't have they don't have like a bunch of time to figure this out right you're in the western conference um you're five and ten you went to the you went to the conference finals last year like you're your reasonable expectations coming into this season were to try to get back at least that far. And we've got, you know, we've got a conference that theoretically is wide open right now. Spurs vulnerable. Spurs, obviously Warriors are done and Spurs are vulnerable. So those are the teams right there, you know, for the six, seven, eight spots everyone thought before the season. So, but you can't, you can't give away games while you figure out how to use Carmelo and if you should use Carmelo, right? No, no, it's crazy. No, I, I do not understand what they're thinking and what evidence we need more now other than just the name. But I mean, I guess he's so popular and everyone loves him and it's a big story. And I guess they're I don't know. I feel, feel like people are really falling for narrative here. That's the other thing I get. Like if you're I don't know, if you're a kid, you're relatively new to fantasy basketball, like go watch. I don't know. Go go watch. What years would it have been like? Oh, six to 2010 or whatever. Like Pete Carmelo, Pete Carmelo was amazing, was phenomenal. Like he's a, he's an inner circle hall of famer to me. I don't like, I, I don't want to just trash him for several minutes because oh, like, yeah, no. the version of Melo that made it to the Western conference finals himself was just one of the all time scorers. And that would play in any era. Incredible, absolutely incredible player. Um, this, this ain't that though. This is, uh, he's like, I don't know, not to bring everything back to the Bulls, but he's got that Carlos Boozer defensive thing where he just points. He just points defensively. He doesn't actually move himself. He just points at where the defender that is him ought to be. Um, it's bad. Like, and if he on offense, if he's if he positions himself just to spot up in the in the corner, he is for sure going to be the last guy down the floor. He's just I don't know. He's just slow footed. I don't see how this can work. I I almost wish that he would have gone. You know, not again, I don't want to like I don't want to totally trash Mello because he was just a beautiful basketball player to watch for a really long time. I I just sort of wish that he would not have almost gone to a winning environment, that he just would have gone out on a team where he could hoist 15 shots a game. And it did like who cares if you're a minus 15, a minus 20. Right. Like, but he's on a team with like legit final four, final eight expectations. I just don't see how it can work. Yeah, those expectations might be lowered now with him in the mix, getting serious minutes. Right. But he, this guy, you're right, though. Let's not totally just trash him. He was an alpha on an Olympics team with, like, the best basketball players in the world at one point in his career. Yeah. I mean, this guy was, like, the dominant player on a team that consisted of the best players in the league. So, so, yeah, but right now, no thanks. And it's crazy. I think they're torpedoing their season. And whatever, in fantasy terms, it's not going to whatever. You can see maybe he probably won't harm you too much, especially points leagues. But I wouldn't expect much at this point at all. 
Yeah, I hear you. Um, pretty, pretty clearly should not be. You know, if you think about what the average size and shape of a Yahoo League is, he should probably not be owned in 50% of them, right? Like the ownership percentage is a little bit crazy now. So I expect at some point we're going to see him on the most, uh, on the most dropped list as well. Um, let's, let's move on to, uh, what actually I'm, maybe I'm bearing the lead here. Maybe we should, have, <laughs> maybe are. we should have started with this. Um, Ben Simmons is now your NBA leader in three point percentage on the season. He's one for one. It's a new Ben Simmons. He seemed even in post game interviews, he seemed like he, it was the last thing on earth that he wanted to talk about, but he's probably happy to get this behind him. Um, so is that, is that, are we going to see an explosion of threes out of him now? Yeah, nothing but net corner three. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, I saw the news that he made it, but when you added that note that leads the in three point percentage, <laughs> I did not realize he had not attempted one this year because I think he was over seventeen in his career. Yep. So uh, no, I don't think expect an, an onslaught yet, but uh, are coming on. But cool, good, nice to see. One thing I will say that we're on the Philly topic is uh, it's early and all that, and they aren't too far out of it. But they're not top ten defensively efficiency early on in the season, and that that's a surprise, you know, as far as units go. That team not gelling quite yet defensively. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point when you think about just how good they are individually and how big they are collectively, right? Um, Embiid, obviously great. Horford, obviously great. We would expect to see them up there in terms of defensive rating by the end of the year. But yeah, right now they're they're clinging. They're like in a tie for that 10th, 11th spot with the Clippers. Both of those teams are probably going to finish the season uh, in terms of defensive rating, I would think, top five. Yeah, no, no, both those will get better for sure. And obviously there's some growing pains with some new parts, but uh very cool. The bottom line to see Ben Simmons finally hit a three is bound to happen sooner or later. But no, no, I would not expect this to suddenly, as you said, it's his first attempt this season. So <laughs> that actually speaks more to me. Think about it. He practiced all yeah. summer. One would hope he lived in the gym. And this is it's how far into the season. It was his first attempt and he was just wide open in the corner. So if anything, it's like, no, it's, they're not coming. So if I give you an over under on full season threes for Ben Simmons at five and a half, what are you taking? Yeah, I'll take over that, but I, not double digits. So right around, right around eight ish or something. Yeah, it sounds right. I don't, I don't think the floodgates are exactly yeah. open. Uh, okay, so topic number three that I want to hit before we get to our guest. By the way, our guest this week is Nick Whalen. He's uh, the RotoWire NBA editor. Great guy. Um, bit of a bit of a Milwaukee Bucks homer, but we'll be talking to him in a little bit. But I also want to hit uh, the Sacramento Kings. They're playing without. Deer and Fox, and at least fantasy-wise, it hasn't been that bad. Your guy, Bogdanovich, um, who you touted last week, not only on this podcast, but uh, in a pickups video, he was just great on Tuesday night. Um, and there's there's other fun players here. This is, I feel like this team is like the the waiver wire all-stars for the season. Holmes has been terrific. Uh, Bielitsa's putting up, like it feels like he hits three threes a night, um, getting a few rebounds too. What are your impressions of that squad? Yeah, I was right about, I mean, Bogey's done well, but I also said Kendrick Nunn was on the downswing, and that guy's gone absolutely crazy since I said that on the <laughs> on the pod last week. So thank you for saying Bielitsa's name correctly, because I always forget how to say that properly. And uh, Holmes, you're right, you know, the team's winning, uh, do, playing better. Um, I want to kick him again for just for Luca going nuts, because I live not far from Golden One Center. I'd love to watch this guy live. So it's just so frustrating to see that guy uh, put up historic numbers, but yeah, no, there, there's some secret fantasy value and it starts with bogey. Yeah. Hopefully he continues to get, to get run the rest of the season, regardless of this team's health, because obviously, um, you know, they'll be getting the reinforced Bagley will be coming back as well. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like bogey is going to continue to be a thing. Again, we talked about it last week. That guy, that guy during, um, FIBA in the summer was just incredible. The leading scorer for the tournament was just great. And he's, he's been so good all season. I also think that Holmes, even maybe even when, uh, 
Bagley comes back, I, I got to think that Rashawn Holmes is going to is going to continue to play. He's been so good. He's been a double double machine as well um, and just active, just really, really active relative to the other players on the floor. So I, I hope that stays in place. Two things on the Kings real quick. Uh, I think they're second to last in pace so far, something to note. And uh, there's a really crazy article, if you haven't seen, uh, about their, the dude that was embezzled money from them, the worker and the Kings. Oh, it yeah. is wild. They should make a movie out of it or something. Just He even had another job in an NBA team, and like his mother-in-law is answering the door. The feds, it's crazy, man. It's wild. No one would have found it if if a, a worker in the Kings just, uh, wouldn't have searched some file on his computer that he left there. It's wild. Check, check out that Kings story for yeah. sure. Um, let's move on to topic number four. I want to talk about a guy that you recommended. Uh, yeah, I feel like you knocked it out of the park for the most part with last week's pickups video. I just watched this week's and, uh, the final player you talked about. Now I know how these pickups videos work and I know that you kind of, you, you might stick the player that you feel least committed to as like the third guy that you talk about. I always try to lead with the guy that I'm like, I know this is going to work out. The third guy you talked about in the pickups video this week, Markel Fultz, um, he's playing over 20 minutes a game. He, he has some obvious flaws. Um, but like at, at what point, you know, what, what size would the league have to be? What would your situation have to be for you to pick up Markel Fultz right now? I mean, I could see a 12, 12 teamers. I mean, he's starting now and they say that he's going to, his minutes are going to increase. I mean, it's been like two full years since he's really played. He's coming off the shoulder thing, which may or may not be real. It was real to him. I believe that actually. Um, the free throws haven't yeah. been a disaster. And I think the stat I dug up was like 44% of his shots have been taken inside five feet this year. So he's really, really attacking the rim. I mean, remember this guy, obviously number one overall pick, 22 years old still. They really like his defensive ability. His, their, their net rating's way better with him on the court. So uh, it's a cool story in real life. And in fantasy terms, he's not going to be maybe a total monster difference maker. But, you know, that percentage is creeping up to 25% owned. And it's only going to get higher because he's only going to get better and he's going to get a bigger opportunity. And this is amazing, man. When we started doing our ranks, uh, he was not, he was Barrett, like all the industry, he wasn't like a top 250 right. in the fantasy pro system. I mean, this is cool now that we're, we're already talking about what a factor he has become. So I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah. I honestly, I didn't think we'd see him at the start of the year. Like I, but part of the reason that I didn't rank him is, is I just, you know, I, I thought it would be another, maybe, maybe not a full loss season, but I certainly didn't think there'd be any pressure on him to get back early. And then all of a sudden he, you know, he, he looked okay in preseason, the minutes, the minutes have certainly climbed, and the uh, and the as you say, the free throw percentage is not in any way destructive. He's shooting like eighty two percent from the free throw line, which you know you would have thought um, he he would be a huge net negative, but no, that has not been the case at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, those point guards that can't do, especially Luca is another guy who was who was a worry there at the end of last year, and he's shooting shooting them well. But yeah, great great news for Fultz that he's able to shoot that. Obviously, the outside shot remains a work in progress, but very encouraging. But if he's not taking it, yeah, right. right? Like as you say, if he if he's just trying to take close in shots, like he's not going to hurt you in fantasy. Yeah, no, totally, great point. Yep. All right, let's jump on to uh, uh, our fifth of our starting five, and this uh, is a bit of a segue into our conversation with uh, with Nick because I'm gonna I'm gonna want to bring this player up with him as well. He owns him in the Yahoo Friends and Family League. Um, Pascal Siakam. There's been a fair amount of press over the last week, week and a half about Siakam, and it is all deserved this like this is crazy um so he's basically almost stat for stat with a couple of exceptions um his season year to date looks a lot like Kawhi's uh season last year right like he's just basically 
filled the the Kawhi role entirely for Toronto. Maybe not entirely. Okay, not entirely. The steals aren't necessarily there. But how much longer can this continue? The guy's at like 25 points per game now. He's made yet another leap. So the season after winning most improved, he is arguably the strongest candidate for most improved again. I don't know that I can recall seeing anything quite like this. Um, so what are your thoughts on him so far? Right now, in a in a nine-category league, he's he's like the number 16 overall player in terms of uh, uh, total production. Like that year Curry won MVP, no one thought it could be better. And then, you know, it was back-to-back. He was even better the next one. But so Siakam, you just love to see the progression. Uh, his field goal attempts per year in the NBA is like three, basically doubled every year. It's like three, six, 11, and 21, yeah. even doubled from last year. So obviously it makes sense losing Kawhi, but that... First of all, Toronto, what about they're defending their title well? You know, they're not rolling over at all. Losing Leonard, no. Losing uh, Lowry, doesn't matter. My boy, my boy Van Vliet just continues to play well, too. But Siakam, total monster. I see no reason why this is sell high whatsoever. And frankly, it's almost like uh, I should have kicked him up my rankings higher because this was kind of like you should have seen this come. You know, I mean, obviously, maybe not this much growth, but with the opportunity clearly there. And if you watched him in the playoffs, I mean, that's, I mean, they were, they yeah. weren't, I mean, he was a big reason why that team won a championship. He was suddenly a superstar and it's proof that that was no fluke. Yeah. So the three point shooting percentage is down just, but just a tick, barely down. Which and he's shooting, shooting so you know, many last, more. Yeah. Last year it was, it was 2.73s a game. This year it's 6.2 and the percentage has hardly changed. He's taking nine more shots a game. Um, just the total output here has been just ridiculous. His free throw percentage is about 82%. He's getting to the line, nine rebounds a game. Um, it's just been absolutely crazy. And as you say, like they look pretty legit. They're, they're clearly going to be a, be a, a, you know, whatever top four Eastern conference team with a, with a chance to win a couple series, I would think if they, if they stay healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Coach well. And and, yeah, for sure. And that's even like Marcus Saul playing poorly too. Maybe, maybe he's done at his age, but he could bounce back. He could, they could definitely get more out of him too. And again, they have a, uh, but Abaka's hurt too. So, right, right. All right, we're going to talk a little more Siakam with our guest this week. It's Nick Whalen. He is the NBA editor at RotoWire. He is also a host of the RotoWire Basketball Podcast, which is an award-winning podcast. It's great. He's great. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. He's at Whalen, except the L is the number one. So it's W H A one E N. Um, he shares a name, I believe, with a Canadian politician, so that's weird. He's kind of hard to find when you search for him. Nick, um, that was uh, an introduction that I kind of botched there at the end, but how are you? I'm doing well. I had no <laughs> idea that I shared a name with Nicholas Julian Whalen, it looks like, who is a Canadian liberal politician, but I'm, I'm glad I'm finding that out right now. Thanks for having me on. Oh, so you over the years have not been peppered with questions about um, local, I don't know, Edmonton issues, Saskatchewan issues? No, not as not as much as I'd like to be. That's for sure. <laughs> like a lot of the Roto-Wire team, uh, Nick's in Wisconsin, home of the Milwaukee Bucks. He's a Bucks fan, a bit of a Bucks aficionado. Uh, I have known Nick for a couple of years now, and we've we've talked some Bucks in the past. Um so Milwaukee, they're they're pretty good. Um, Giannis having a dominant season again, averaging over thirty points per game, almost fourteen rebounds per game. The Bucks are this is fun. They're the NBA's leader in pace. Um, they are up there, obviously in net rating. I think they're just behind the Lakers, but they're mm-hmm. right up there in, in both offensive and defensive rating. Um, is this team better than last year? You've replaced Brogdon with uh, Wesley Matthews, Marquette legend. Um, how's that working out? I don't think this team is better than last year. I, I am of the belief that they 
should have done what it what it would have taken to keep Malcolm Brogdon. And I know that means dipping into the luxury tax, which is something historically that the Bucks have not been willing to do. Um, but I, I mean, honestly, I think it all kind of traces back to signing Bledsoe to that four year extension uh, probably earlier than they had to make that decision. And, you know, they kind of struck while the iron was hot. Bledsoe was playing really well at the time. You know, it was a move that was pretty much universally praised. You know, they didn't necessarily overpay Bledsoe himself. But as we came to see, you know, by the end of May for the second straight year, you know, he really struggled in the playoffs. And I, I think down the stretch, you know, Brogdon was their second best player, even ahead of Chris Middleton, who I think averaged like 12 and a half points per game in that six game Eastern Conference series against Toronto. So, you know, I think even without Brogdon, this Bucks team is built to just roll through the regular season, especially in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. I mean, we uh, we were trying to do the math last night in the office, like when how many games they've gone now without losing back to back. And it's got to be close to 100. I mean, they went they had one back to back loss um, last season and they haven't had any back to back losses this year. They didn't have any towards the end of, you know, now three seasons ago. Uh, they're just kind of a freight train in the regular season. And I think as long as Giannis is healthy, that's going to be the case. They haven't missed a beat without Chris Middleton. Um, and, you know, they have so many guys that are kind of plug and play. And Wes Matthews, who you mentioned, is is one of those guys. It's him. It's Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown. Dante DiVincenzo has kind of been the guy over these last few games. Um, the question is, how is that going to work when you get to the playoffs? And it, it really might not matter until round two or maybe even round three when you start to match up against a team like Philly or Boston. But uh, I do feel like this team could very easily get to 60 wins again. But I, I think that the ceiling in terms of you know where they're going to finish in the playoffs is probably a little bit lower than last season. And obviously, they didn't get where they wanted to uh, in 2019. So I, I feel like Philly, perhaps more than Boston, is really well equipped. I mean, they're huge, right? They're yes. they're uh, like their whole starting five is huge. Um, Embiid is obviously a monster. Horford, great defensive player. They are they're as well equipped as any team in the league. The Lakers probably right up there um, to defend Milwaukee in the same way that gave you know Giannis fits last mm-hmm. year, right? Just sort of walling off the paint, walling off the the rim. You're probably seeing every Bucks game um, or close to it. Is he fundamentally different? Like, has he added enough to his game to to overcome a uh, a, a strategy that worked awfully well last year? You know, I, I don't think he necessarily is. Um, he looks a little bit more confident from three, which has been encouraging. Uh, but then you look at the percentages and he's barely over 30%. You know, I mean, I, I think yeah. the fact that he's taking, you know, almost twice as many per game is a really good sign. You know, the shot looks a little bit better. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's never going to be Kevin Durant. He's never going to be a guy who's really comfortable, you know, coming off the screen and just pulling up. You know, it's still kind of a rehearsed motion with him. You know, his three-pointers are almost like a lot of players shoot free throws. You know, you can, you can kind of tell he's telling himself in his mind, okay, I'm going to shoot it this time. It's still not really an intuitive motion. Um, and that's going to be the kind of the biggest thing for him is being able to stretch the floor, not letting guys like Al Horford, who did this for Boston and who is now, of course, in Philly, just kind of sitting at the free throw line and basically, you know, kind of acting like an NFL linebacker and just kind of being ready for Giannis to charge at him <laughs> and kind of pick him up out of the backfield. I mean, that's what it reminds me of. And, uh, you know, I, I think you're right in that Philly is going to be the biggest challenger to Milwaukee come playoff time. I, I think that Philly has the best starting five right now in the league. I think Milwaukee has the far better bench. Um, but if you line those two teams up and you did, you know, kind of a school a schoolyard type of draft, Giannis goes one. You know, Philly might have four of the next five picks, depending on how you feel about Chris Middleton versus Tobias Harris. Or, you know, I don't even know that the gap between Middleton and Josh Richardson when he's going is all that big. Um, So Milwaukee has the advantage, you know, when you when you kind of zoom out and look at the roster, you know, all the way down to the 10th or 11th man. But Philly's top five, you know, when when you're in a playoff situation and 
sometimes you only need to play seven or eight guys. You know, they're a team that if they if they're able to pick someone up in a trade or in the buyout market, you know, come February or March, uh, you know, they're going to present some issues for Milwaukee. I think defensively is going to be the big thing. You know, can Giannis avoid picking up early fouls? You know, kind of getting into that mode where I, I think towards the end of that Toronto series. You know, he he was kind of too worried about being walled off, about, you know, picking up charges, which yeah. has been a huge issue for him so far. And, you know, what worries me about Philly is they picked up the one guy, you know, in the Eastern Conference who's really given Giannis trouble. And it seems like Philly, you know, they're off to a little bit of a slow start record wise. I think they're kind of in that like LeBron Cavs mode where it's just we don't care, you know, get us a top four seed. As long as we have home court for a few rounds, we'll be good. We just want everyone to be healthy in the playoffs. And it, it kind of seems like that's how they're handling everything. Yeah, I just want to point out real quick that my guy, Jonathan Isaac, actually currently ranked higher than Giannis in nine category leagues, which is just absurd. <laughs> but well, maybe this is naive, uh, naive financial question for you, Nick. But is it not just worth it on the back end to pay the luxury tax if Brogdon wins him, brings him a title? Like, I mean, what is it just ownership or explain more about mm-hmm. that decision? Like how frustrating that is as, 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 a, as a fan? I mean, it, I think it's totally worth it. I, I, you know, of course, you're never guaranteed that you actually get that title. But, you know, I think Milwaukee just... Market-wise, you know, kind of already being in a pinch when it came to building the stadium, yeah. um, you know, that I think it would have been a tough ask. Uh, but the ownership group has the money, and you know, it's not like Herb Cole still owns this team. And I think that's what was frustrating about it. But at the same time, you know, the more that's come out about this, I think Giannis had a quote uh, just last week when they played Indiana about Brogdon, and you could kind of tell he was towing the party line. But it, the implication was that Brogdon was ready to move on as well. Um, so you do wonder, like, you know, Milwaukee obviously had the right to keep him if they wanted. It was great that they were able to bring back, you know, kind of a B-level asset, getting a pick for him and making it a sign and trade. But, you know, I, I think at the same time, it was pretty clear that Brogdon was ready, maybe not to have his own team. I don't think he's ever going to be that level of player. Um, but I think he was kind of sick of maybe being the third or fourth fiddle. And, you know, I think a lot of nights when Eric Bledsoe gets going, he was the fourth option. Um, so it was kind of a someone who's watched him a lot. Did you see this coming? Did you see the assists tripling? I mean, did you see this? And, and, and did, how how likely did this outcome did you see? I mean, this is probably above what anyone expected. Um, I mean, f- through the first couple weeks of the season, he was kind of right there as like a top three assist guy. But it, it looks like it's pretty sustainable. I mean, even when Oladipo comes back, I think he can still be seven, seven and a half assists per night. Um, I, I'm not all that surprised. I, I think what's a little bit more surprising is the fact that he's barely over 30 percent from three. Um, you know, you kind of most guys when they go from a supporting role to, uh, I, I guess, kind of a starring role, given the circumstances with injuries in, in Indiana, you know, you kind of build in a regression in terms of efficiency. We've seen that with Pascal Siakam in Toronto as well this season. Uh, but the drop in three point efficiency uh, is kind of strange for a player who's, you know, obviously was 50, 40, 90 last year. But none of this is too surprising. I mean, it, he was, you know, he averaged 16 a game last year in you know 28 minutes per game you know as the third or fourth option on a lot of nights um i i think it's it's kind of bittersweet certainly for bucks fans and i think through the first four or five games of the year you were kind of waiting it out and and thinking maybe it was an anomaly but i don't know whether whether they would ever admit it or not i i think the bucks would would rather have malcolm brogdon on this team than eric bledsoe do you assume that they're going to be active in the trade market or does the does the luxury tax come into play there as well yeah, I mean, not so much the the luxury tax as much as just the salaries that they have on the books right now. You know, I, I don't know that anyone is looking to take on Chris Middleton, you know, having that kind of money yeah. looking toward the future. I mean, Chris Middleton's making $40.3 million on a player option in 2023. And, you know, I think that's going to end up kind of looking like a DeRozan type of contract that, you know, the, the Spurs are probably finding themselves in that position right now. I don't, you know, outwardly, they're saying they're not taking calls on DeRozan, but you have to imagine they're looking around and, even though DeRozan's a good player, even though Middleton's a good player, 
it's never going to be a bargain contract. It's never going to be a contract that you're going to get equal value for. And down the road, it might be one that you kind of have to pay to get rid of. And I think that's part of the issue. Um, I think you can say the same about Bledsoe and Lopez as well. I mean, Bledsoe has kind of turned things around after a rough start. He, He didn't shoot the ball all that well last night, but he had a nice game. But until he proves it in the playoffs, I don't think any team is going to rush out to acquire Eric Bledsoe at $18 million a year for the next four years. Brooke Lopez, you know, getting up there in terms of age, we'll see how he kind of progresses as he gets older. Um, you know, right now, I, I think they have some attractive pieces. They're just not on the right type of contracts, um, you know, to execute those kind of trades. So if they, if they do make any deals, I think it'll be a lot like last season where, you know, they were able to flip, which is ridiculous in retrospect, flip Delhi and Henson for George Hill, who's been, you know, fantastic for them. <laughs> Um, yeah. But I think a lot of the trades are going to come on the margins. You know, it's going to be somebody who just beefs up your bench or, you know, kind of a West Matthews level type of guy. I, I can't see them, you know, adding a CJ McCollum type or somebody like that simply because they don't have the type of assets that a rebuilding team getting rid of a star player would would be interested in acquiring. I should have totally looked this up before we jumped on. But um, ha- have we seen the the Robin and Brooke Lopez lineup at all in the regular season? I don't think we have. I, I know through the first like eight or nine games they had in, um, I could try to look that up really quick. But it was, I mean, a, there's, it was a joy to see it in the preseason. Like those two running pick and roll together was, I don't know, it's it's almost been the highlight of my season so far. Oh, I'm, I'm a longtime Robin Lopez supporter. And honestly, after they traded Henson last year, they didn't really have a backup center. And yeah. you know, I, I don't think you can really ex- expect Robin Lopez to come in and, and kind of be a, a B-rate version of, of Brooke even in terms of shooting. But just having another body is huge. And, you know, he's kind of squeezed out my guy Ursan out of the rotation. But I think just having another option, having kind of a quote unquote true center on the roster is something that's going to, you know, add value throughout the season. There are certain nights, even though there are fewer and fewer of those players in the league these days, um, you know, just having another seven footer on the roster to throw around as a body uh, is a great option. And I, I am able to confirm now that they have not played together. <laughs> that's a yet. shame. That's a total shame. But I think they don't like- put that. They don't want to put that on film yet. i'm sure i'm sure some of the robin lopez thing is is like a matchup move that you make with uh with maybe Embiid and philadelphia in mind right no exactly and i think you never want to you never want to plan your roster around one team but you look up and down the eastern conference and you know i know boston's look good i know miami's look good toronto's surprised me with how good they've been without Kawhi. but it's kind of hard to imagine this not coming down to philly and milwaukee Let's talk some friends and family. We're both doing, we're all three doing well. I think we're in second, third, and fourth. Uh, I know, Nick, your team is uh, pretty stacked. We talked Giannis, but this is just an excuse really to talk Luca. I mean, what? where would he go if, in a draft with hell today? That's a great question. Within the top eight, I mean, there was kind of this definitive top eight, I think, in a lot of leagues, and I'm sure you guys found this as well. You know, Davis, Curry, Harden, Giannis, excuse me, Towns, Jokic, LeBron, and Embiid. Lillard was kind of teetering on the edge of that. Bradley Beal was right there. Um, you know, Kawhi, depending on how people felt about his rest. But I mean, you didn't really see a lot of people taking Luca even at the back end of the first round. I think his his ADP on Yahoo was like 18 and a half. And yep. you know, obviously he would go quite a quite a bit higher now. I mean, somebody like I have Joel Embiid in a couple leagues, completely regret taking him as early as I did. You know, even though you go in thinking he might only play 68, 69 games, like now it's looking like it might be closer to 60 with how many he's missed already. You know, Jokic has been off to a slow start. So it's not only that you know, Doncic is having this incredible, you know, making this leap that's even bigger, I think, than most people thought. But a lot of those guys, and Curry, Curry you know, yeah. is another one. A lot of those guys who were consensus first round blocks, you know, you have to take them in the top eight or nine. A few of those guys have just been complete bust, whether it's because of injury or just, you know, um, you know, Embiid had the suspension. Jokic has been out of shape. 
Uh, so you can kind of knock all three of those guys down. And I, I think Yoke or Doncic probably belongs somewhere in that like six to ten range. It's crazy. Who could have seen Jokic being out of shape coming? Yeah, um, we were blind. I don't know how he had the time to be out of shape. <laughs> yeah. He was in decent shape in the World Championships, <laughs> right. and like he had like three weeks between then and training camp, and somehow managed to get wildly out of shape. So Luca, Luca doesn't turn twenty one until after the All Star game, which is unbelievable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's averaging almost right on thirty points per game right now, twenty nine point nine points per game. 10.6 rebounds, 9.4 assists. Um, he's shooting nine threes a night. At what level is this sustainable? Like he's, he's, I think he's the number five player in nine category leagues right now. Um, mm. Is he just going to hover there all year? Like, is he seriously going to make a run at 30 points per game while averaging close to a triple double? You know, I think, I think he can. And I think the fact that we've seen James Harden do this the last few years and, you know, granted Luca is not James Harden from a usage perspective and just, you know, some of the crazy kind of individual 41 shot attempt type of games we've seen from Harden, but at least the blueprint is there. You know, I think nobody thought after last season, nobody thought James Harden would go up from 36 points per game. And now we're asking ourselves, like, could he have actually average 40? And it, it does seem relatively su- sustainable. And I think you could say the same thing about Luca. I mean, even last night, you know, it's not like he's playing, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet type of minutes where they're throwing him out there 41 right. minutes for five straight games. I mean, he's only played more than 37 minutes like once or twice, I think, this season, just once. Uh, and that was against the Lakers uh, in, that, in that awesome back-and-forth game with LeBron. I mean, you look at last night, and you know maybe you have to judge the Warriors on a different scale now given who they were throwing out there, but he only needed 25 minutes to go for 35, 11, <laughs> and 10. I mean, that is absolutely absurd. And, and I think the other thing to take a look at when you're looking at his stats is before last night, he was a worse three-point shooter this season than he was as a rookie. And that was kind of one of the kind of undershadowed things about, um, you know, when you, when you kind of looked at his overall numbers, it felt like he was a way better than a 32% three-point shooter. You know, just watching him, you would guess 38 39%, but he was actually 32.7. And prior to last night, he was right on the nose at 31, shot it so well last night, now he's closer to 34. Uh, and I think there's still room for that to rise, you know? So, you know, I don't think he's going to go much higher than 30 points per game, but you know, even if he shoots the three at a slightly above average rate than he has through these first 14 games, he's going to have a really good chance to hover around 30. I mean, he leads the league in touches per game. Uh, it's the most since it's been tracked. I tried to find it. I went back, whatever, eight years or mm-hmm. whatever, and it's the most I've seen. So, I mean, I, I find that helpful as far as being sustainable, but, which is especially impressive since the Mavs are first in offensive efficiency. It's just crazy. He's 20 years old. I don't think there's been ever a player younger who's averaged more points or assists and something like only three who have averaged more rebounds. I mean, that is just just crazy. So he's only going to get better. So I'm buying. I, I was going to say top five of a draft for hell today, a top five pick. So he just what a monster. Yeah, I mean, I think the only other guys with a 25, nine and nine season are Russ and, and Oscar Robertson, right? I mean, it's yeah. And it took Russ. I mean, you, know, you could maybe say if Russ was handed that workload early on, he would have figured it out. But I mean, I don't know where it goes from here. That's kind of the, the thing that's most mind-boggling for me is, you know, you mentioned he's not 21 until the All-Star break. I mean, whether you're talking about his age or where he's at in his career, this, you know, he's, he's played like 86 NBA games and he's already a 30, 10, and 10. <laughs> you know, like, what are we going to see? Like, what is 27-year-old Luka Doncic going to look like? You know, there's not, other than Ben Simmons, I guess, there's not right. much of a template for guys who start off this hot and then just plateau. You know, usually you keep going up and up and up and... You know, I, th- I think the other thing with Doncic is he's still not in great shape. You know, he's in maybe slightly better shape than last year, but it's hard to imagine him not working his body into better shape as he gets into his mid twenties. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. Like he's, I, I wasn't even necessarily thinking about that. He's, we're not close to what should be his prime, right? We're probably four close. years away from what the prime years for this player ought to be, and he's already a- as good as it gets. 
Right. I mean, LeBron, as a 20 year old, was at 27, seven and a half, and seven. And that was kind of, wow. and that was in 42 minutes per game. You know, granted, they were playing slower back then, but still, I mean, that was. That was kind of the gold standard, I think, for second seasons, you know, unless you go back to guys like Jordan in the in the 80s. But, you know, LeBron obviously kept getting better. And you could argue that LeBron didn't really peak until that maybe second or third Miami year when he shot like 57 percent from the field. And that was when he was like 28 or 29. So, I mean, at the very least, you kind of see like this is maybe the baseline for Luca for the next decade. But I mean, the jury is still out as to whether Aiton and Marvin Bagley are yeah. going to be better, right? Well, uh, yeah, it's the thing. Bagley's been hurt. We don't know. <laughs> for all we know, Bagley was yeah. going to average 40-20. Uh, spoiler alert, he's not going to be better than Luca Doncic. <laughs> I told Andy, I told you that Nick would be a good guest. I told you, despite your, I, I told you. <laughs> yeah, all you want to do is get guests who confirm all the things that you already believe. I know how you operate. Before we let you go, I want to ask you uh, just sort of a general, like, who do you see out there right now as a as a buy low in fantasy? I think there are a lot of candidates. Um, uh, Jaron Jackson comes to mind. Uh, you know, mm. I mean, he's somebody I think a lot of people expected a major leap from this season. And it's been a combination of a few things that, that I think have limited him. Um, you know, the fouls are, are kind of the main thing. And that was that was something I think you really, really hoped he would get a handle on, you know, and, and right before he got hurt towards the end of or, you know, kind of midway through last season, uh, he was starting to foul less. And, you know, you kind of hope just another year of maturity, another year of, you know, getting his body conditioned, you know, just not he's one of those guys who just takes super stupid swipes at, at blocks and steals. You kind of hope that would be phased out. And, you know, we saw him most recently on Tuesday night, followed out of that game in less than 20 minutes. He's followed out of three of 13 games this season. He's followed out of 13% of his NBA games since he's been in the league. Uh, and what's, <laughs> what's even more concerning about that, he's averaging only 26 minutes per game. So I actually looked this up on, on basketball reference. Only three players in the last 20 years have averaged at least four personal fouls per game while playing fewer than 30 minutes per game. Danny Fortson in 0405, of course, I'm sure you knew we'd be talking about Danny Fortson. <laughs> Greg Oden in 2009-10, he only played 21 games oh, that year. Man. And rookie year, DeMarcus Cousins in, in Sacramento. So not exactly the company you want to be in. Uh, and I should note that Larry Sanders in 2014-15 got extremely close. He was right Larry on the borderline of four fouls a game. Um, so right now, I mean, he's just one of those guys, you know, night to night, you know, we, we do our, our daily and kind of weekly projections and, you want to pencil him in for 32, 33 minutes per game. I think that's what they want to play him, but he's in foul trouble every single night. And you check the box score and he ends up playing 23 minutes, 22 minutes, 16 minutes. He's just been a really, really difficult guy to trust. And I think there are probably a lot of pretty frustrated fantasy owners who'd be be willing to cut bait with him, you know, for a discount. Oh, you give me flashes of rushing to pick up Larry Sanders in my waiver wire when you have a big block. <laughs> I love that. I like that. Good call. Uh, professional skateboarder, Larry Sanders. Yeah. That is an incredible list of names that no one should want to be a part of. That was Fortson, mm-hmm. Odin, Sanders, DeMarc, rookie DeMarc. Wow, that's bad. Yeah. All, all the elite fowlers in NBA history. <laughs> I feel like I feel like maybe Alex Len should be on that list, but, uh, uh, but no. Well, I mean, he's. I was all in on Alex Len. I, I think I might even have him on my friends and family team. I tried to get him everywhere I could. I I thought there would be a bit of a renaissance, if you will, this year. And he has been <laughs> he has been just awful. I, I, I wanted to throw him on my buy low list, but honestly, I, I wouldn't feel good about telling anyone to go pick him up. I mean, he only played like eight and a half minutes last night against Milwaukee, missed a dunk, was 0 for 4 from the field. I, I really thought it was one of those situations where like, I don't even like Alex Len that much, but they had no other options at center yeah. and you just kind of thought he was going to luck his way into 25 minutes a night and you know he's had some runs in the past where he's been productive but i mean at this point they're willing to just basically roll out you know a rookie and bruno fernando or i think damian jones is the other option there it's 
he he and Dwayne Dedman have both been just extremely disappointing at the center spot. Well, you don't really need to complain very much about your friends and family team because you've kind of knocked it out of the park with uh, Sabonis, Luca, Siakam. It's not a bad team. No, it certainly is not. And Siakam's another guy I've had a lot of places. I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, you know, I mean, he's he's another guy guys, who's taken a leap, maybe not the Luca-sized leap, but I mean, where were you guys at on him coming into the season? Like, did you expect, you know, kind of another step up for him? Not quite this leap, but man, that is about as good as it gets starting the draft with Giannis, Luca, and Siakam. Nice. Well done. Jeez. Yeah, I feel like Siakam in our, you know, I, I, Dalton and I were probably um, together responsible for wherever uh, uh, Siakam slotted in our pre-draft ranks. And I want to say it was like around 27, 28, 29, something like that. And he's he's outperformed that substantially. I think in nine cat leagues, he's like the the uh, 16th most valuable mm-hmm. player right now. Yeah, yeah, he's been awesome. And his usage rate is up almost 10 percentage points. Assist rate is up. Uh, he's averaging like considerably more turnovers per game, but his turnover rate is actually down, which is super impressive. You know, for a guy to to have a usage rate jump that's that large, and actually turn the ball over, you know, per possession less than last season. Um, and I think you know he he got off to that crazy hot start, and there's a, a decent chance that they maybe pull back on his minutes a little bit as the season goes on. But yeah, I mean, he's somebody I've been really impressed. He's lost a little bit of efficiency from two point range, weirdly enough. Uh, but he's yeah. you know he's looking like he's going to be a 36, 37 percent three point shooter kind of going forward. Well, that's probably going to do it. Um, thanks for joining us. It's it's always a pleasure to talk to you, to reconnect with you. Um, I hope you get down to Chicago because if we're being realistic, I'm probably not going to get up to Wisconsin. Um, but <laughs> you're, not, uh, you're not coming up for the Purdue game this weekend? Oh, gosh, no. Uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Nick, let me apolog- apologize in advance when Giannis is wearing a Warriors uniform in a couple years. Jeez. It's... Don't even bring that up, man. It, it does. It's, <laughs> I've seen some concerning comments. That's all yeah. I'll say. I don't think it's going to be Golden State, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure he's he's staying here. Like a lot of people seem to think. Yeah, no. In all seriousness, well, yeah, I he, hope he does resign there, man. Yeah, that could be rough. For yeah, sure, that man. would be that would be devastating. You can't let him get in a room with uh, Gar Foreman and John Paxson because those two will close <laughs> the deal. Always have, always uh, will. Man, that that Giannis Chris Dunn pick and roll. Just keep dreaming. <laughs> All right, you can follow him on Twitter. He is at Waylon, but the L is the number one, uh, W-H-A-1-E-N. And you can find him at Rotowire. He's great. He's Nick Waylon. Thanks again, man. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, that was Nick Waylon. He's really good. Um, Again, you should read him. You should follow him. And that is almost going to wrap our show this week, except we got to hit our, in case you missed it, Dalton, um, I want to point to the Yahoo NBA Twitter feed, um, which has been which has been gold lately. It's uh, a little slanted, I would say, toward Lakers coverage, but whatever. It's really good. Um, they posed a question that I found uh, that I found really fun the other day, and it was if you could bring back any NBA player from the past and have them play in the current era, who would it be? Do you have an answer for that? I thought about this. I thought Iverson would be fun in today's pace. A guy out of place like Patrick Ewing or something would be would be fun. But the answer I'm going to give you is this obvious, and it's MJ for, for two reasons here. One, you know, well, we'll get to the basketball reason, but one is there's a crazy uh, story that I heard. I don't know if you ever read this, but Jeremy, Jeremy Roenick, uh, the NHL player, claims that he played <laughs> 36 holes with MJ back in the day, um, and they were drinking beer all day, and he beat him. He beat him the first hole, first 18, Jordan demanded they play another 18, beat him again, and he'd been drinking all day. And Jordan says, I'm, he had a game that night. And, and he's like, I'm going to win by 20. And Ronick's like, you've been drinking with me all day. Okay, double or nothing. And he says, by the halftime, Ronick said he might as well have burned his money on fire. He said, the man's so competitive. He should have <laughs> never, ever, ever 
Anyway, uh, I, I'm going to believe that story to be absolutely true and say just the competitiveness would have been amazing to see uh, MJ versus LeBron and would get, you know, the, the answer to that question. I mean, this has got to be it, right? Let's see Jordan without the hand checking. Let's see him in this era. I mean, of course it's him, but that's the obvious answer. So what do you got? From yeah, me? I mean, I, I feel that like that actually probably is the obvious answer and who wouldn't want to see it? Like uh, the, the right answer is probably either either Jordan or maybe maybe Chamberlain, like Ooh, somebody where yeah. you just go, yeah, you reach way back for somebody yeah. who's, like, I mean, Chamberlain once averaged like 50 and 25 or 50 and 30 or something like that, right? So, like, what does that look like today? Um, what does a player of that athleticism look like today? Um, the answer for me, though, was a, was a guy who, again, I mentioned it earlier, the 09 Bulls were just gathered for Luol Deng. Um, and I swear, the guy that I would love to see come up today, um, and he bumped right up against this era, but Ben Gordon, um, I like so Ben entered the league in 2004-05 Ben's first 5 seasons 5 seasons um and then I'm counting it right now 5 6 7 he had 7 seasons in which he shot better than 40% from three point range but it was an era when he didn't get to jacket like you would today right so like Ben Gordon was finishing each season with like 300 attempts 350 attempts something like that like Ben Gordon today if he were allowed to shoot I don't know, 700, 753s, whatever the numbers are that, that Steph puts up, he just would have been virtually unstoppable. He would have been so fun to watch. You know, this is just perfect symmetry because I'm pretty sure the Bulls actually went with the tagline for the first couple of years when he came in the league. First, there was Jordan. Then there was Gordon. Right. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they thought he was the, the good coming. Right. So there you go. So, yeah, he he would be fun to watch Chuck some threes for sure. Uh, Gordon was so fun. Um, like just an ice in his veins player. And he's, I feel like he's going to get forgotten by history. Right. Um, cause he wasn't necessarily the most exciting player on the team when the bulls got really good. You know, they were a frisky enough team when they had him and dang and Kirk, but man, it wasn't until Rose came along that they really got great. And then there were only just a couple of years of Rose and Gordon. Yeah. But seriously though, MJ versus LeBron right now, come on, that'd be sick. It would be phenomenal. It would absolutely be like just seeing MJ adapt to an NBA in which uh, in which you were expected to shoot. I don't know what like Jordan would probably have to shoot like six, seven right. threes a game. Yeah. Um, his own personal drive surely would have made him yeah. a 38% right. three point right. shooter. I got to think he could have adapted to that. Yeah, for sure. No, exactly. He Yeah, he would have became a three point shooter. As simple as that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that would yeah, have been awesome. All right, man. Good times. Good times, Andy. Yeah, that's going to do it for this week. We will be back next week, probably Wednesday. It's a holiday week. Um, so we'll, we hope to have the episode out just in time for Thanksgiving. Please, again, subscribe. Write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy, at Dalton Del Don, at Andy Barons. Thanks again to our producers. We are out. We are out.